Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker, and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you take control of your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create real presence, and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence, and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. Alrighty. Well, welcome, Rachel, to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here with me today, dialing in from Singapore. Thank you so much, Claire. It's really lovely to see you this morning. Yes, and I'm looking forward to, but obviously before we hit record just now, we were having a brief chat about the fact that we have both recently returned from holidays. I am, as at the time of recording, I've only been back for about 48 hours, so still struggling with a little bit of jet lag. And you've been Thank back. You. Um, for, <laughs> you've been back for a couple of weeks now, or even maybe a month more. And I'm definitely keen to hear about your recent adventure. But before we sort of get into that, I know the theme we were rolling with today is really around this concept of creating your own story. And mm-hmm. it was something that you you mentioned to me the very first time we spoke, and it's really stuck with me. And I'm keen to unpack it with you today and see what insights and takeaways we can give some of the listeners around how to how to create and own and stand by your own mm. story not only in the workplace but in, but in life as well before we jump into that topic though i have done a little bit of a bio on you before we've jumped into this section of the podcast but for those mm. listeners that don't know you can you share a little bit with us around who you are, what you love to do, and maybe what a day in your life is like. Sure. So as you would have heard from the bio, I'm an HR rep who currently heads up the people function for a startup based here in Singapore called Parcel Perform. I am originally from Sydney, and but I have lived in Singapore now for 16 years. And so I have spent a fair amount of time outside of Sydney. I started my career in Japan, actually. And then I went back to university in the UK because I decided that human resources was the way that I wanted to change the world. And we can have a little bit of a talk about how successful or not I've been on that one (laughs) uh, as we go forward. So a day in the life uh, for me at the moment is sort of working towards building my function. We are a startup. Obviously, we're, we're growing very quickly. Uh, We are based across four markets. We are in Europe, we are in the US, and we are here in Singapore and Vietnam. So it's a truly global organisation, even if it's not the largest organisation that I've worked for. And one of the things that I find important for the job, and it's a new job for me, I've only been here for about four and a half months, is the the necessity to have a constant learning mindset uh, because we're growing. uh, Sometimes with larger organisations, you expect things to be in place. Here you have to build it yourself, which is a really good thing because it's just people sort of believe that they know what they're doing when you actually have to build things from scratch. That's when you really learn Mm -hmm. that you do know what you're doing. So for me, it's important to also continue to learn outside of the office as well. So I'm taking music lessons at the moment. I am taking guitar lessons. 
I have taken singing lessons for a long time, I'm actually working towards performing with a band at the end of the month, which will be very interesting. And I do take dance classes because, again, uh, as far as exercise is concerned, I need to have the brain activated. And unfortunately, the treadmill just doesn't do that. It just simply says, ow, 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 ow. Whereas (laughs) if I've been to dance class, I've got to actually pay attention to where my feet need to go next. So I do that. And I'm in the midst of completing a certificate in the science of happiness with UC Berkeley, which I'm really enjoying at the moment. Fantastic. Busy, busy woman you are. That is for sure. And I love, I, I love don't all the like different. <laughs> no, I love all of the different hobbies and interests that you've got. I think that's what keeps it spicy. It keeps it, keeps it exciting. And, and as you identified, you know, the there's learning in everything as well. And it's all about how open we stay with that. I'm definitely keen to hear as well around the certificate of the science of happiness. Tell me a little bit about what, what that's all about. So look, I'll be really, really honest. It's through the platform edX and I took it because I just wanted to evaluate the platform. And I honestly thought that it would, no disrespect to Berkeley, thought it would be a little bit, I mean, it's got a name, Science of Happiness. I thought it'd be a little bit of froth and bubble, to be honest with you. (laughs) And I have been absolutely fascinated by just how deep this certificate is. The neuroscience, the philosophy, religion comes in here, obviously. You know, there are a lot of the Eastern religions that deal with happiness. Uh, We've been sort of, you know, I've been listening to podcasts about definitions of what it's like to be a hero, definitions of what an actually effective apology looks like, you know, how we actually really love to be socially connected and that's who we are, that's hardwired into our brain. Some fascinating commentary around Darwin, who we all thought was sort of very much the survival of the fittest, but one of his beliefs was that we're wired to be kind. That was one of the one of the tenets of his reading that I think a lot of us have forgotten, actually. So yes, um, fascinating stuff, and I'm truly enjoying it at the moment. Yeah, very interesting. And how long is mm. the certificate go for? How long is the learning? Eight weeks. Yes, okay. so eight weeks, effectively four weeks of of learning, then a midterm exam, um, and then another couple of weeks and an end of end of course exam that's if you choose to be certified you can actually take the course without having to be certified and then of course it's a little bit shorter but uh, yeah yeah very cool good on you mm. lots you. of interest <laughs> lots of learning and I, I think this is really important isn't it because we know that and I'm sure that you feel this deeply that the work is never done so when we talk about a job in, in your situation being the head of HR for a startup, there's mm. never not something to do. And so you could just work 24-7. Yet we know that by not by putting all of our eggs in one basket and not having other interests that spark creativity and, and energy and a release and all of the things that you've just shared earlier, we can very quickly burn out. So I think it's fantastic that you're prioritizing other hobbies and other interests that kind of keep you engaged in your day job as well. Well, I think it's a little bit also about elasticity and Mm. and everything that you've said is absolutely correct. But one of the things I've learned in human resources, and you're right, I think when I first started out, I expected there would be a day where I would wake up and say, I know it all now, that hasn't happened. Humans will never cease to surprise you. And even after the amount of time that I've spent in, in human resources, I still know that I can wake up tomorrow morning and somebody will come to me with a problem or an issue or a challenge. And I will look at that and go, 
yeah, I've never seen that before. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's about that elasticity. If you're continuing to learn, continuing to be curious and continuing to question, then when those challenges turn up in front of you, hopefully they won't look as daunting as they might do if you've had a structure that just continues on the same way, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. I think open-minded, being open-minded and staying curious are certainly the keys keys to successful learning and keys to being able to really drive change. If we if we have so many formed assumptions already yes. in the bank, then whenever a new situation does come up, we we tend to try to box it into an experience that we've had before. And, and we can't Correct. do that. We can't do that with humans. They're all different. No. They're all unique. They've all got different challenges and needs and backgrounds and experiences. And, and we have to remain open and curious about that. So I think, yes. yeah, fantastic. I fantastic. love, I know we all love the quadrants, but actually, and I, every <laughs> time I see a quadrant come up and I do understand for the sake of visuals, they're useful, but yes, every time I see a quadrant start come up now, I sort of almost start laughing because it's just like, yeah, <laughs> humans don't sit in quadrants. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yes. Are you blue? Are you red? Are you green? Are you yellow? Exactly. Which one are you? Yes. Exactly. So keeping on the theme of, of curiosity and keeping on the theme of, you know, trying new things and learning you Mm -hmm. as I touched on earlier you've recently been on an adventure in the Himalayas and and done some exploring there so tell me a little bit about about that adventure what did you what did you get up to well Greg and my husband my husband and I were particularly excited for the adventure because it's been the first one for us since COVID and we we had a habit before COVID of making sure that we found a part of the world one time during the year that was unusual and then we would spend a good three weeks out of the business or the jobs and we would do this a to sort of truly decompress I tend to find that when you go away on vacation your first week is I'm still surreptitiously looking at my phone and second week you sort of wean yourself off it and then the third week it's yeah look it'll all still be there when I get back and that's probably the week that you truly have time out and a proper vacation at the end of the day I think the other reason that I tend to take three weeks is particularly if you consider yourself to be a high achiever or somebody who's ambitious we do like to sort of believe to a certain extent that we're indispensable and I make no judgment here because I've been the worst offender as far as this is concerned in my younger years and so I make myself take the three weeks to remind myself that nothing is going to fall over while I'm gone Mm. probably to remind a few other people that nothing's going to fall over when I'm gone but I I put myself front and center there that I can leave I can go away for three weeks and things will still be running when I get back and I think that's uh, something for me to really remember and allow me to therefore take the next adventure to your point we drove out of Delhi and we actually drove through India this is our third time driving through India so to your point as far as an adventure is concerned driving on those roads is something something completely different at the end of the day so yeah we drove through India we drove out of Delhi we drove up into Shimla we went into Kaza and Narco and then back down through Manali and and back into Delhi the Himalayas I've really enjoyed living in Singapore but certainly for the last three years you know I have been on a relatively tiny island that's very flat it's on sea level so the Himalayas were completely the opposite 
to what I've been living with for the last two and a half years. So that was a good stretch of my senses for mm-hmm. a start. They, it's a good reminder sometimes the way they live in the Himalayas is very simple, particularly as you get up into the mountains. They live a very sort of basic, very simple life. And I think that was useful for me to remind myself that sometimes I do overcomplicate things and that maybe I could look at doing that not so much, which I think was was a good lesson. And the last point, and actually you and I had a little bit of a talk about this before we, we pushed the record button, there were evidence of landslides as we were traveling. I was sort of finding myself suddenly on a one-lane road, which used to be two lanes because the the lane on near the mountain was covered. And, uh, you know, there was one point coming into Shimla where we actually had to sit for 40 minutes and wait for the road to be cleared because it had had a landslide. And that reminded me as well that your future is not really all that guaranteed. And so living for today is is really important. Mm. I know that doesn't sound overly optimistic, but I think we do need to be reminded that you live for the now. And that's, for me, one of the reasons why these three-week adventures, so to speak, are so important a lot of people sort of say, yeah, well, we'll travel when we retire. And it's not so much the money and it's not so much the time, but particularly in relation to places like the Himalayas, it's the physicality. And I just Mm. don't know at the age of 65 how much of this sort of rampaging around hills and mountains I'm going to be able to do. So you need to take that opportunity now that yeah, helps. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely does. And I love your insights as well. And I do, I do, I'm, you know, a huge traveler, absolutely have the travel bug, love Mm. exploring new places, love immersing myself in the culture and, and really feeling like you are part of the community of which you're staying in. And, and so I, I love, you know, hearing your stories around some of the key takeaways and and reminding yourself, even that life can be simple. We don't need to overcomplicate things. And, you know, when we're so, so wired sometimes, we don't even realize how wired we actually are until we step back and we are in an environment or or a community like you've just described in in India where things are simple, where Mm. often there is no Wi-Fi or Netflix or all of these things that when we're so wired, we get frustrated when it doesn't load within a pack, yes. you know, web page doesn't load within three seconds and we're angry about it. Whereas we go on holiday, we go on adventures and explore these new places and we realise, mm. my God, we've got it all wrong. We're getting frustrated about the wrong things. Absolutely. Cuba was a good example of that. They have no, virtually no Wi-Fi. And it was interesting to see how my husband and I dealt with that, actually. I just turned myself off because I couldn't get Wi-Fi. There was nothing I could do about that. Even if I could get Wi-Fi, there was nothing I could do about what I was going to see. So Mm. I just simply focused on what was in front of me. He was not happy being disconnected. He still wanted to know what was going on. Mm. So it was interesting to see how different personalities did with that. And your point about being wired, I've given people heads up now because I've done these adventures often enough that when I come back on the Monday after the three weeks of being away, you will see vacation, Rachel. And vacation, Rachel, works very slowly. She's pretty calm. She's very chill. And to your point, we think that we work at a normal level and it's Mm -hmm. not until you take yourself out of that environment for a good three weeks and without judgment calm down that you realise that we actually work at a fairly stressful level 
all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the other reminders that's important about taking time out. Yeah, could not agree with you more, especially having just come back from three weeks away as well. I right. I resonate with everything that you were saying wholeheartedly. And But you also always come back with these, I don't know about you, but I certainly always come back with reflections and insights around how I'm going to do things differently. And, and I and I do for a period of time. <laughs> and then often, not always, but then often default back into yes. old habits unless I am not absolutely deliberate and continue to be intentional about mm. the changes that I want to drive and, yes. and follow through on the commitments that I make to myself. So I'm saying that mm -hmm. here and I'm saying that live so that hopefully when we listen to this back in a couple of months' time, <laughs> all the things that I said to myself only just last week whilst hiking through Switzerland, I'll see a few months from now if I followed through on those as well. <laughs> mm. I have a group of girlfriends. We meet once a month on Saturday mornings and all of us have had fairly senior positions and we do. We spend the Saturday morning you know, drinking coffee, eating pastries and holding ourselves accountable for mm. what we've agreed that we would do. And to your point, yes, I came back from, from my holiday and it was just like, all right, here's what I've learned. And so, yes, there are now a couple of other people, to your point, who are going to look at me in a couple of months' time and go, you promised you wouldn't do that. And so, yes, it's sometimes easier if you can say it out loud, I think. <laughs> yes, absolutely, for sure. <laughs> now let's switch gears a little bit now and, and tap into this theme around creating your own story. And mm. as I said, sort of when we kicked off the conversation, it, it was a phrase that I, I think you you had mentioned, I think just, just part and parcel of the conversation we were having at the time when we first spoke around the importance of creating your own story, not only in leadership, but, but in life. And so I'm curious for you to share with the listeners, what does that mean to you? What is it, what does the phrase, you know, creating your own story mean to you? So look, we all grow up with, and, and you and I've talked about this in the past, societal norms. And without wishing to sound like I don't appreciate these roadmaps that we're given as we grow up and, and, and are taught how to live in our environments, they can be confining. And I think for me, the first time that I realised that was when I left Sydney at 18 and moved to Japan, which is an extremely different culture. And you know, obviously I look extremely different from the Japanese as well. So there was no sort of hiding in the corner and pretending that I was part of society. I was I was pretty much obviously an import, so to speak. And they can make you question yourself. I mean, I'd just come out of school. I'd just come out of an environment where we were all very much a cohesive mass. We, we looked the same. We sound the same. We dress the same. We listen to the same music. And all of a sudden, I'm in this very foreign world on my own. And finding that I had to really figure out very quickly who I was for myself mm -hmm. because that that safety net wasn't there anymore. So I, you know, you question yourself, you doubt yourself, you you perhaps feel that you're failing in certain areas when all that's really happening is that you're just not the same as everybody else around you and that you've perhaps, you know, decided to take a different and a slightly less travelled path and that's okay. 
at the end of the day. But there are a lot of people in society who will try and possibly gently guide you or in some cases seriously pull you back onto the mainstream mm. path. And you have to make a decision for yourself as to whether that that would work. Uh, my father used to say to me when I was younger, if you're going to walk through snow, walk in somebody else's footsteps. And on the surface, that's extremely wise counsel. And of course, my very snarky teenage response was, well, what if they're not going in the direction I want to go in? <laughs> Still accept that it's snarky, by the way, but it's also wisdom in my viewpoint as well. He was not wrong, but I'm not wrong either. It's just a matter of where are you going? If there are footsteps that are going in your direction, by all means, take them. Don't feel mm. that you have to reinvent the wheel for the sake of it. But if there is, you know, virgin snow over that way and that's where you want to go, then don't be frightened of that either. Sometimes the world needs to be questioned. It needs to be challenged. It needs to be changed. And if you go through all of those processes, then you create your story while you're mm. doing that. Yeah. So perhaps not surprising that I ended up at Parcel Perform as one of their basic tenets is being able to change the world. That was one of the reasons that I joined. I sat down with the co-founder and I said to her, I said, why are you here? And she said, I want to change the world. And it was just like, yes, there's a kindred spirit. Thank you. <laughs> in the logistics space. So, you know, that was the desire for me and one of the main reasons that I wanted to be part of this organisation right now. Love that. I love everything you're saying. And so with that in mind, then how would you, you've shared a little bit already around your past experiences, but how would you describe your own story, do you think? What makes you, you? So I, I had to think about this. The, the first word that came out was surprising, at least for me. And, and again, I think we're back to the societal norms that you grow up with. And, you know, I had, as I was growing up, probably some vague idea of what I would do, mostly probably staying in Sydney. I don't even know if I had an idea of what what career I was going to have or whether I was even going to have a career. My mother was a, a stay-at-home mother. So, you know, this has been to have travelled the world as much as I have and to have achieved what I have has been very surprising, at least for me. Mm. I think there's a lot of discussion generally around how much luck comes into your life when you're talking to people who've been quite successful in their careers and how much you create for yourself. And I guess if I was to describe my story, it would be as having grabbed what I could when it presented itself. As an example, as I said to you, I moved to Japan. Mm. I was due to go to Japan for a six-week holiday. That was all I was going to do. My stepfather was working for JP Morgan at the time. He was transferred to Tokyo. I was going to go up and visit. But I found myself a, a job that started on Christmas Day. And, you know, there could have been a decision that I didn't want to do that. But it was an opportunity and I grabbed it with both hands. And of course, that stage probably changed how I was going to live my life going forward. And I think that's I think that's a really important thing. A lot of people sort of sit there and go, well, I was just lucky. I was lucky in the fact that there were opportunities given to me and I happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I also think that I created by not looking at some of these opportunities and going, no, I don't think that's a good idea. You've got to take the risk from time to time and just rely on yourself or rely on fate or the universe or whatever it is that you want to label it as, that this will work out the way you mm. want it to. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even to, to piggyback on that a little bit further as well, the, the, you know, I, I speak to women all the time 
in organizations or women that will come to me for coaching, whatever it might be. And they will often say, oh, I'm, I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky that I got this job or I'm just lucky that I am where I am. And, and so I love what you're saying around, yes, in some respects, we are lucky and we, we should be grateful for the, for, the, for the opportunities that, you know, we have been afforded or the world that we get to live in. Yet there's also a reason why we are where we are, and that is because of yeah. the open-mindedness, the curiosity, yep. the way that we sourced opportunities or when one was presented, grabbed it with both hands, the mm. skills that we bring, the attitude that we bring, the value that we add, all of these things together are are what are the reason why you are where you are and why the women that I often work with are where they are, not because we were just lucky. Yet yes. the number of times that I that I hear that as well, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard it, I probably wouldn't need to work. And it is continuing to to yes, recognize the the luck in that I'm I'm privileged enough to live in a world where these opportunities are even something I can think about because there are many parts yeah. of the world where we know that there are women that these are not opportunities that yes. they currently can think about but also yes. then acknowledging that the reason we are where we are and the reason you are where you are is because mm. of the the work and the commitment and the effort and the curiosity and the energy that you've also put into things as well and so I think that's fantastic. It's funny you should say that. I, I sat on a panel last week and I was talking to a girl before I sat on the panel and, and she was asking me how I got to where I got to and I was talking about the fact that it's been such a surprise for me to be in the data area because I'm more of a wordsmith than than a mathematician. And, you know, I find it amazing that I've managed to last in the data space as long as I have. And she was so funny. She just looked at me and goes, yep, yet another deprecating female. And it was just like, oh, you're right. Okay. So sometimes again, to your point earlier, mm. we have to just, you know, and I think people look at senior women and go, yeah, they get past the imposter syndrome. And the answer is we don't actually, but I do think we get better at pulling ourselves up for it. Mm. And I think we get better at, at accepting people reminding us of it and, and sort of looking at it and going, yeah, okay, that's, that's fair. I'll stop that as much as I can now. So yes. I think that's what changes as opposed to it goes away altogether. Agree. Absolutely. And I say to people all the time, again, women in particular, that I don't believe or subscribe to this idea that imposter syndrome or self-doubt is, or even the self-talk is something that goes away. You know, you, you'll read articles or blogs out there that say, just follow these three steps and it will be gone. I just call bullshit on that because I think those thoughts only creep up when you are challenging yourself or when yes. you are in a space that's, yes. that is new or a stretch for you. And I think the older you get and the more experienced you get, the better mm. you get to your point at just managing the thoughts and then moving forward anyway and not letting yes. the self-talk take over which can so often happen when you're not used to managing the the negative thoughts that can pop into your head. Absolutely. Or, and, and if you've got that one person for me, it's my husband, but mm. for anybody else, it can be a girlfriend, it can be a parent. You know, I, I have so many times come home at the end of the day and looked at my husband and gone, yeah, I might have mucked that up. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, you might have, Rachel, but you're still special. Do you know what I mean? And mm. and it's just, 
it is that acceptance that you're not perfect, but you still go, but you're still good is what has allowed me to get up the next morning and go, mm-hmm. right, I'm going back out there. So, you know, generally, yes, I, I yeah. worked as much as I can to do this self-talk myself. But if you've got that special person, and as I say, it doesn't have to be a spouse, it can be a best friend, it can be a sibling, but somebody who's going to sit there and say, yep, okay, well, that went wrong, but that isn't who you are and that doesn't define you. So mm. off you go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Having that kind of community around you that can pull you up when you need is really important, both in in workplaces and in life in general, having those people that can mm. can slap some sense into you when you're not able to slap it into yourself ultimately. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, what do you think about, you sort of touched on this earlier when you said, you know, you met with the with the co-founder when you when you recently started at Parcel Perform and and she said you know I want to change the world and that that obviously lit something up in you as well because there was a shared shared values there or an alignment in what what you both believe in but I'm curious mm. to know what what do you what you know how easy we, we'll often hear organizations say things like mm. we want you to bring your full self to work and be authentically you and all of these you know these statements but how easy do you actually think that it is in organizations to really own your story and be authentically yourself so it's a really good question and for anybody who works for corporates and particularly for anybody who works in human resources i think this is a very very important question Mm. it's and and you know, again, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit about the fact that I'm a, an introvert, an extrovert, not an introvert, I'm an extrovert, clearly, as we as we get a little bit further on. But for the me, I am a feeler on my MBTI profile. And mm. there are so many people who think that I'm a thinker. So that's obviously a, a necessity that I've learned to be able to stretch, right? Because I think, unfortunately, as you get further up the, the totem pole into corporates, the feelers tend to drop out and the thinkers tend to go in so the answer is in short it's not easy Mm -hmm. to bring your authentic self partly because society as I mentioned and this is what you referred to have certain parameters that they expect people to work with corporates have certain parameters a lot of them economic that Mm -hmm. they expect people to work with and sometimes that can end up being in conflict with your values and you know that cognitive dissonance can often be very stressful and and just gives you a, a migraine the yardstick that I've always used is that I am the one that has to keep looking at myself in the mirror in the morning. I am the person that I have to see when I wake up and I am the person that I have to look at when I go to bed. And if that's going to be difficult for me to do, then it's time for me to put my foot down. And there have been circumstances where that has occurred, where I have stood and said, I can't go any further and I I can't abide by this. Now, there are many different ways of working with that and bringing your authentic self to, to, to work. One of the things that I've found is when you do get to these points, it's probably got some emotion attached to it. And one of the things that you should probably try and do is take the emotion out of it if you can because I tend to find that people will listen to you much more effectively again if you it's almost like bringing vacation Rachel back if you can just be calm if you can be rational and if you can just be very clear about what it is that you're going to do because that really generally tends to show people that you're not going to move that confidence that you display at that stage of this is the line and we're not going to cross it. 
I think can definitely, definitely happen. I think under those circumstances, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, and again, this comes down to the individual area, if you are in that situation and you are given the opportunity to disagree, you may get to the stage where you agree to disagree and, and maybe we, we have an I told you so situation afterwards. Mm-hmm. But if you truly believe in living your life and if that cognitive dissonance is going to give you that headache, then you need to start thinking about what plan B is and you need to start working through what plan B is and trying to trying to manage that as much. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the simple sort of Covey outcome. You can't control what goes on around you. All you can control is how you react to that and how you manage that. And you have several levers that are within your control. Use those wisely and use those as best as you can. So for the current position, reasons for wanting to do the job was that I felt that we would tackle some of these difficult questions with, you know, a framework. And it's important to me, given that we are, and and sort of not to necessarily give you too many stats, but Parcel performs at a 58-42% gender split, which is extremely good for the industry. We have nearly 200 people, we have 17 nationalities, and we have 24 languages. So there are a lot of people who want to authentically bring themselves to Mm. work, which I think is absolutely fabulous. And that's what I really want to be here to do. I want to be here to provide an environment that allows them to do that. Because if I do that, then I can bring myself to work. Do you know what I mean? So that's one of the reasons. And that starts by setting the example. So I did have somebody who about three weeks ago looked at me and said, you're not a normal HR rep, are you? And it was just like, oh, that's a, com- that's a compliment. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it does show for me that sort of feedback. And again, back to the sort of social mm. norms, there is a, a sort of, you're not like the other people that I've met, but it does show me that I'm still bringing myself authentically to work. Mm. So for me, that's a, that's a really great piece of feedback. Yes, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I understand exactly your your point when you get the compliment in a HR role of you're not like the usual HR people, aren't you? It is a compliment. It definitely is. And I also love what you're saying about, you know, you are the one that needs to wake up and look in the mirror at yourself in the morning and you are the one that needs to be able to go to bed and look at yourself in the mirror at night. And that that far and away is the most important person that you need to feel that you can look at it and comfortably know I, I showed up as myself and I... And I'm in an environment that I feel I can bring the best parts of me forward. So I, I really resonate with what you're saying. Well, it's all inter it's all intertwined if you have a look at mm. it. We were talking about the sort of the, the self-talk, the imposter syndrome, all of that becomes so much more difficult if you're looking at yourself at the end of the day and going, do I recognize who this person mm-hmm. is, right? All of that then becomes far more amplified. So that that grounding in your values of who am I and what am I prepared to deal with and what am I not prepared to deal with, then, you know, can definitely feed into that whole self-talk outcome mm-hmm. and make you yeah. feel far more comfortable that you can turn that down. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. I feel like I could talk to you about this all day, Rachel, but I am conscious of time. So I've got I've got one more question for you, which I do ask all of my guests. And it's a two parter. So the first is whether there is a book or a podcast or something that you've read that that you sort of stand by or it's one that's really resonated with you. And the Mm -hmm. second is whether there is a quote or a piece of advice that you've received that you can honestly say that you live by. 
Sure. So the first one being actually, so the Science of Happiness have a podcast. You can find it on mm-hmm. Spotify for anybody who's interested in just getting to learn a little bit more about it without having to take the certificate. And I'm loving that on the bus in the morning. As far as books, Your Brain at Work by David Brock. He's a Sydney cider. He runs the Neuro Leadership Institute in New York. His scarf model, which I have now uh-huh. been sort of working with for you know, nine or 10 years. He brought it out in 2008. I think I started using it in 2010. Touches on every conversation that you have. And it is such a powerful communication tool. And everybody that I talk to about loves it. And they use it both at work, but they use it at home with their kids and things like that. And so for me, yes. that's been that's been absolutely rock solid as far as being able to make sure that we stop trying to just simply, uh, you know, come together in in sort of general in general outcomes of you know, as I say to people, we don't get up in the morning and look at the ceiling and go, you know what, I'm going to upset so and so today. That's not what we do. But by ten o'clock, it's usually happened. So. David's scarf model really helps us get out of that. His quiet leadership, which is his coaching book, has also been extremely useful. In terms of the quote, I'm actually going to go with, and this is going to sound like I'm playing to media and all the rest of it, but Margaret Atwood and The Handmaid's Tale, which I did for my A-level, normal is what you're used to. And for me, that's been a quote that I've used so many times. And in terms of wondering why things are strange, to you while they're not strange to others and vice versa, that is the quote that I use. Normal is what you're used to. And that is one of the reasons why, and it's a good reminder that normal is a social construct, right? And and that my normal, your normal, and everybody else's normal out there are going to change a little bit. So you have to try and to effectively communicate, figure out where that normal starts and stops so that that you can then have at least a conversation. You don't have to accept somebody else's normal. They don't have to accept your normal either. But there is a certain calmness that comes from being able to at least grasp that perspective and see where it's coming from. And you know, for me, the main outcome is that it reduces fear. We fear what we don't understand. So if you can understand somebody else's normal and reduce that fear, then usually what else you reduce is the anger that comes with it and the stress levels that come with both of those things. And if we can do that, then I think we would have a much better workplace at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you've just given some fantastic food for thought and some fabulous book recommendations and podcast recommendations. And I love the, the, yeah, I love the quote that you've shared as well. And you probably heard in, in that as well, where you were sharing my dog decided that he really liked your recommendations. As well. well, then I love your dog. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was, it was very excited time. about the podcast and the book. <laughs> now, last question from me as I'm sure there probably will be people who would like to get in touch with you and reach out. So what is the best way for them to do so, Rachel? You can find me pretty easily on LinkedIn and that's usually the the best way to find me. Uh, Again, I haven't got any sort of, you know, you can find people who you follow and whatever else, but you can connect with me directly. You know, my email and contact details are out there. So that will be, that will be the easiest place to find me. Perfect. I will pop a <laughs> I will pop a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as Great. well. And I will Fantastic. also pop links in there to the podcast that you referenced and the book that you referenced as well. But it Good. has been 
an absolute pleasure, Rachel, having you on the podcast. I truly Thank think we so could much. sit here and talk about this topic all day around creating yes. your own story, but you have shared some wonderful pearls of wisdom and I think the, the listeners are in for an absolute treat. So thank you very much for being with me today. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Claire. Well, that's it for another episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It has been amazing to have you here and I am always so grateful for you taking the time to pop me in your ears as you go about your day or night. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eating Your Cake 2 and if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet, reach out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love if you would leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with me here too. Until next episode, you've got this. You can do it. You are doing it. And remember to back yourself and what you have to offer. Hey there. Thanks for hanging on and thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. I truly love having you with me, but I want to make sure that you know if you're ready to work together exactly how we can do it. The first way is through my game-changing Transform Your Career six-week accelerator program. This six-week online program is for busy professional women who are ready to regain control of their career and leadership once and for all. Go from feeling like just another employee to an in-demand asset in your company. Stop feeling lost, stuck, and unmotivated, and instead feel confident, worthy of earning more, and armed with the tools to go out and get what you want. The Transform Your Career Accelerator cuts the crap and gets right to the key levers that you need to be pulling to ensure you are seen, heard, and noticed at work. Add to this an epic group of like-minded women all coming together to share insights, learnings, and to build a new network along the way. If this sounds like something you need, then join the waitlist now. The link is in the show notes. The second way you can work with me is through my private one-on-one coaching program, where I only take a very limited number of clients each year by application. My six-month private programs are for you if you know you need tailored coaching and guidance now. You want a container of space and time just for you to work through your exclusive and unique goals. You don't want to wait for the waitlist in my other programs because you know you want access to my brain and my experience all to yourself. If this sounds like you, then book a free call in my diary today and let's chat. Lastly, if you want me in your organization to come and share my tried and tested knowledge with your team on how we can all collectively elevate our own leadership and career success, then jump on my website and download the services info pack or grab it from the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.